and welcome to episode number 121 of Artificial Turf Wars. We're putting this season in a box and shoving it under the stairs where it will, where it will remain, hopefully, forever. I'm your host, Greg Wazdowski, <laughs> and I'm joined tonight by Nick Dyka. Nick, how's it going? Hey, Greg. Hey. I'm good. How are you? Uh, excellent, as <laughs> always. Josh, how's it going? Not too bad. That's Joshua Hausman, of course, but you already knew that if you've ever listened to an episode of this before. <laughs> and if you haven't, this is a weird one to start with. <laughs> we, You're beginning at the ending, people, but, well, you know, to each their own. Always, always good to have a new pair of ears out there. Uh, Merlin's listening to this for the first time, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You, you, time travel is going on as well. We wish we could travel back in time to the beginning of the season and tell ourselves how it was going to turn out, maybe. Um, but what we have to do instead is we have to rehash the whole darn thing. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of categories lined up. We all have our own uh, very strong opinions. We're, we're going to just let most of those opinions get out of there until we get to the really important determinations like the MVP of this team. And then we're going to try and, and settle it once and for all between us. And then you can write us angry tweets about how we're all wrong. <laughs> Sounds fair? Yeah, sounds about right, actually. All right, so... We'd like to start off our, our season recap with the player we most enjoyed watching category. So, Josh, who was the player you most enjoyed watching? It kind of sums up the season, too, when it's like the player I most enjoyed watching didn't show up till September. <laughs> but <laughs> Rowdy Tennis, he was just fun. I mean, how can you not love a guy who just hits double after double after double after double? <laughs> And he had four bombs. I mean, everything we heard about him was that he was not going to be able to handle major league pitching. And, you know, the 21 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio shows that might still be the case going Ooh. forward. <laughs> <laughs> but nine doubles, four bombs, most doubles in the first three games of a career. He was just enjoyable. I, I tend to agree. So my pick was not Rowdy, though. I picked Tay Oscar Hernandez. Um, I picked him because... Uh, you know, I, I kind of perverted the enjoyed part of the enjoyed watching. Um, Teoscar, <laughs> he reminded me in, in certain ways of of um, Alex Rios on a bad day, which he had a, a lot of bad days sometimes, where you just, as much fun as it is watching him hit, you really don't know what you're going to get when he takes that glove out there. And and I think that uncertainty, that was more attractive to me than, than any because there was no real all-star on this team uh, than any conventional performance. So I, I, I'm in there for Teoscar Hernandez as a, a player I could watch because I just don't know what I'm, I'm going to see next, which, which leaves us with your <laughs> choice, Nick. Uh, so my pick for a player we most enjoyed watching was Danny Jansen uh, because I think that he's a guy who does everything well and he does it well at baseball's toughest position. And, you know, in a year where everything was kind of focused towards the future, I think it was just really exciting to see a guy who's a good defensive catcher, he had good plate discipline. He can even run a little bit, according to like, you know, stat cast sprint speed and stuff like that. So I really liked watching Danny Jansen. I like the little referencing of your late season piece. Just a little... oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is no promotion if there is not self-promotion, um, which we learned a long time ago. Uh, okay, so we have to kind of we have to flip it. The, the player we least enjoyed watching, and I'll go first here. I least enjoyed watching Troy Tulowitzki because the only thing I watched Troy Tulowitzki do was talk to his teammates on the turf in Tampa. That's that's all I got to watch him do when I really should have been watching him 
help this team yeah at least scrape its way to 500 and that was super super frustrating for me i don't even care how much you're paying him to not play i, I know he wants to play but man for, for a guy who was supposed to be on the field come whatever late spring or early june whatever that that moving goalpost was just so painful for me yeah yeah, that, that was tough. <laughs> it wasn't fun. <laughs> but Nick, you, you you had a tougher watch. Yeah, for me, it was Kendrick's Morales, just because the same way Danny Jansen does a bunch of things pretty well, Kendrick really doesn't do anything pretty well other than hit. And even then, he's kind of closer to league average than he is doing it really well. So for me, uh, Morales was just the guy I was not particularly excited to watch this year. Morales is almost back in the dugout from his last ground out at the end of September. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he actually had a pretty good season, though. So, you know, I think we talked about this at the beginning of the year. He actually ended up right around his previous numbers. But for me, it's Joe Biagini. I mean, my God. It'd be one thing if he was just bad because, you know, he'd have a lot of company. <laughs> he was just bad when we're talking about Blue Jays pitchers. But he works so slow. <laughs> And then he was bad as a starter and he was bad as a reliever. And it was just, there was no scenario where he was fun to watch or good to watch. And he was out there so often that it's him. And I think after being such a, you know, sort of amusing breath of fresh air kind of guy off the field, it, the fact that it didn't translate at all, I, I tend to agree. It, it really did drag his whole performance down. So we have a, a season is, is, Overall, we know it kind of came up shy, but there are moments in every season, because it's 162 games long, that, that really stand out. So I would give the opportunity for your favorite moment. I would say to Nick, what was your favorite moment of the season? Um, for me, it was when Justin Smoke walked off the Tigers in June. I think it was towards the end of the month. Um, you know, Smoke had a great year, and after his 2017 se season, it was pretty kind of it was a big storyline, I think, trying to figure out what he was going to do this year. And I think, you know, he was great again, not as good as 2017. But I think that was like a pretty nice moment in what was otherwise kind of, you know, an underwhelming season of, of great moments. Underwhelming. I think we're going to say that a lot as we go <laughs> forward. Um, that's cool. That's cool. I, I also had a walk-off um, pick, which was uh, September 21st. The Jays scored seven runs in the bottom of the ninth versus the Tampa Bay Rays and anytime you score seven runs in an inning I think is good uh scoring seven runs in an inning in the ninth inning to uh come back from a six run deficit is amazing and it's like super rare and then on top of that to do it against the Rays a team where the Blue Jays roll over and die in front of them more often than not uh or have the opposite kind of thing done to them they you know lose it late I thought that was at least a satisfying note to uh to push into the Rays camp uh, during the season. Josh, your top moment? Yeah, that, that was definitely a fun one, that seven-run game. But for me, and why Kendrys couldn't be my player, I at least enjoyed watching, because he's not fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a home run in seven games in a row, and that was amazing. And I was at the one where he hit the seventh, and it set a Blue Jays record and a record for switch hitters. And in a season full of such nothing having someone break an offensive record on the blue jays like a good one not striking out a thousand times or something <laughs> like that that was pretty cool something to root for in the middle of the season that was going nowhere so i'm picking that one fair fair um it, it, yeah any streak is is always kind of uh 
trippy because they they come out of nowhere too, right? Whether it's a, a consecutive game hitting streak or or you know or a strikeout streak or anything else, you kind of you don't notice it happening, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're in record territory already. Yeah, yeah. So this season uh, did get get crazy and weird because uh, I don't know somehow that there never seemed to be the right players at the right time. So the most surreal moment, the one that made you go, "Wow, we're right through the looking glass." Uh, 2018 is is over. And Nick, what did you have for that? For me, it was the Josh Donaldson trade because even though he dealt with injuries in 2017, he was still so good. And to see a player that was that important to the last great Blue Jays teams just miss the year and then get dealt for a player to be named later at the non-waiver trade deadline, that was surreal to me. And if you had, if we had been doing this a year ago and you told me that was going to happen, I would have bet the farm on something else happening. I, I couldn't have believed it. So for me, that was that. This is the waiver trade deadline, not the non-waiver one. But... Oh, sorry. My bad. I think he, I know what he meant. The playoff trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I tend to agree that it's definitely surreal is, is a good adjective for that moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, more than anything else. Josh, what did you have? Yeah. So last year's objectively worst hitter in the game or for the Blue Jays, at least was Luke Maley, who had the worst season ever for a Blue Jay who got that many plate appearances. So in April, when he hit a home run off of Chris Sale <laughs> and then later in that same game, hit a walk off home run. <laughs> I was sort of wondering if I'd gone through some kind of looking glass or something. So that was definitely the most surreal <laughs> moment of all the players to do that. Luke Maley. Yeah, that was surreal. Yeah, that was your hint, I guess, early that things weren't going to work out the way we'd planned. We just didn't catch yeah. on. <laughs> um, so for me, it was Russell Martin starting shortstop. Um, <laughs> th- was this not sort of the wink wink nudge nudge joke when he was refused to like no one would let him play shortstop for team canada in the world baseball classic there was there's this whole no we don't need you as a shortstop and then ever since there's been this kind of running gag that oh well you know you could always throw russell martin at shortstop and then and they just did it (laughs) i didn't know how to react to that (laughs) well i mean more surely he was actually not bad well yeah but regardless of how it turned out it's it's you're not you didn't put him there for his bat i can't conceive of because his bat was completely anemic all year so you just basically put him in there to say you started russell martin because he wanted to i mean he wanted to manage you got to do that the last day of the year that's less surreal i would argue than putting him at shortstop (laughs) okay uh biggest surprise uh josh what what was your biggest shocker in the season for me i mean my my biggest shocker was something that didn't happen on the field that they actually got a really good trade return for Roberto Osuna. I mean, given everything that happened, I thought for sure if they were going to get something for him, maybe because they let him come back and pitch his way through the season and then traded him later on, like the Yankees did with uh, Roldis Chapman, for example. But they not only they got Ken Giles, but they got two really solid arms with him, and that shocked me. It didn't shock me. If we can uh, call back to that August podcast. <laughs> it did, because you said you said one for one. If it was one for one, it wouldn't be oh. that good a trade. But they got two good prospects. Oh, you're, you're throwing the book at me now, Josh. <laughs> well, yeah, because that was my entire argument when we were talking about it, that I wouldn't do one for one. <laughs> I'm just impressed that Ken Giles' name came up, Nick. You'll, you'll still have my admiration ah, for that. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> uh, so for me, the biggest surprise was Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is, is a legit major league hitter. I, I don't know why I, I didn't 
necessarily believe it. I suppose anytime a guy's older brother says, oh, he's way better than me, I just assume that that's him talking about his little brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It, Yuli Guriel was, was saying that. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's going to he's gonna make a lot of contact. He's, he's not going to strike out as much uh, as, as some guys. He's not going to walk nearly as much as maybe he should. But he, he can put the bat on the ball, and he proved that with that extra base, uh, sorry, multiple hit game streak, which was pretty cool. Um, another, I guess that could have made our, our impressive moments list as well. But hey, if, if Lurz Gurriel Jr. is a real asset on the infield, that's that's awesome as far as I'm concerned. What shocked you, Nick? Uh, for me, it was trade-related as well. And I was just surprised with the deadline moves that the Jays ended up acquiring guys like Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney because they just look so much like a bunch of players that are already on the Jays roster, you know, in Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Grichik. And, you know, led Miss Diaz. So I'm, I was very surprised when it happened. And I'm very curious to see how it kind of plays out this offseason. Because I'm guessing they're going to try to turn some of that depth into pitching. You're not going to build a merry-go-round out of infielders and let everybody... <laughs> oh, they might. But they, they, they better make that trade for pitching. Oh, you never know. Um, so th- there wasn't a lot of clutch, I guess, uh, on the team in general this year, given that there were a lot of losses um but we still thought we should hand out clutch performer so i'll I'll go first with clutch performer i'm gonna say ken giles perfect in save situations that's that's good for good enough for me to be a clutch performer because uh you know when you're asking him to do his specific job finish the game he finished it every single time i think that's pretty cool but i'm sure that's not the right answer no no, it's a pretty good one It's, it's, it's hard to argue with that too much but I went with Justin Smoke. I mean, if you think about it, your two f- mo- big moments of the year were walk-off home runs by Justin Smoke. Mm-hmm. And he had the uh, the pinch hit grand slam when he came off the bench against the Marlins. Two strikes, two outs grand slam, an ultimate slam, I think is what they call it or something. And with two outs and runners in scoring position, he hit, he had 965 OPS, six close and late home runs. Basically, if the game was closed on the line, he delivered. And I think that's the definition of clutch. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. I just felt like all three of us. Uh, well, I'm assuming that here. I have a note that you you aren't going to come up with another name here. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. I agree with Josh. I think if you look back on the season, anytime uh, you think of a Jays comeback, Smoke was involved in it. Yeah, yeah. So I just um, if Ken Giles is is listening, um, you know, Ken, I'm I'm there for you. But <laughs> probably Justin Smoke's <laughs> where it's at. Uh, okay. So breakouts. Uh, well, I'll go first this time. Okay, I was gonna say, what order was I doing that in? Josh, who who broke out for you? Nobody, really. I mean, <laughs> the, big, the biggest problem with the Jays this year was there weren't any real breakout seasons. There were guys who came in and did fine and did okay, but no one who really truly took a step forward or exceeded expectations. I'm, I'm going with Tim Mazek because I had to pick somebody because he didn't give up a run in his last 15, two-thirds innings, struck out 19, walked four. Like, he looked like an actual really good reliever towards the end of the season, but that like this, nobody on this team truly exceeded what they were supposed to do, and to me, that means badness. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have, Nick? Oh, for me, I... I get what Josh is saying is there were no like true breakouts, but I think Ryan Barucki pitched pretty well uh, when he came to the major leagues and, you know, looking forward, even if he kind of regresses to his peripherals, which kind of see him as more of a four and a half ERA guy, 
I'm pretty sure the Jays will take that because it's a lot better than what most of their starters did for 2018. Oh, absolutely. And I, I had Barucki as well. Although if you'd asked me the question back in like the middle of May, I might have said Teoscar Hernandez because it looked like something <laughs> was there. Uh, well, but of course, you know, at the beginning, what what I have said about some of the players like Kendris Morales, I would have been wrong about them too. So um, I, I, I'm just going to go with Barucki because he, he really did seem quite solid uh, when, when he needed to be. And that was something sorely lacking elsewhere this is this is how we're defining the breakout player someone who was <laughs> solid when he needed to be so i think yep. the right answer is still nobody but <laughs> yeah i mean uh, maybe next year someone will break out oh wait i know the answer to that one already <laughs> they've already broken out um they just haven't been let out of the uh jail that is the minor leagues but i'm not bitter <laughs> speaking of bitterness are you bitterly disappointed nick in anyone um I'd say the most disappointing player was probably Tulo. Uh, I think that's just because he's so talented that there's always going to be, I think, a little bit of hope that he can turn things around or be productive. And kind of beyond being not able to play this year, we're starting to see the injuries really pile up. And with that, makes his contract look kind of even more burdensome. So that combination of, of things made for the most disappointing thing for me, I'd say. I read somewhere that T Troy Tulowitzki had been on the disabled list like 37 times or something in his career, and I thought, Ooh. maybe that's hyperbole, and I don't want to look that up, because if he has really been on that many times, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not comfortable with him on the roster. Um, <laughs> my disappointment was Josh Donaldson. Uh, he didn't play well when he played. He didn't play much at all. Uh, he got traded, and then, after all of that, had the audacity to act like he he didn't really like the way he was treated here. And I was like, I'm just disappointed. Like, could, could we not do something with our head held high during this season? And the answer was apparently no. Uh, yeah. Josh, what, where, where did your disappointment, disapproving eyes fall? It was definitely with the starting pitching. I mean, after, after last season, you had Hap was good as usual. Stroman was great. And Estrada had that blip in the middle, but was good at the beginning and the end. With Sanchez coming back healthy and Jaime Garcia coming off a few good seasons, I thought the starting pitching would at least be adequate. And wow, was I wrong there. <laughs> and it, I mean, the starting pitching was just awful from the beginning of the season through to the end. I mean, they had, as we talked about a few times in this podcast, one guy going into August or into September who had an ERA under four who had started. And it was Tyler Clipper. Obviously, he didn't finish <laughs> that way. But so, yeah, that was very disappointing to me. I think the words Tyler Clifford starting pitcher probably could have said a lot about that as well. Just just yeah, those words. <laughs> I could have just said four words. It would have summed it all up. Uh, so beyond disappointment, I guess we get to rock bottom. Um, now, sometimes we think of that as a moment. Uh, sometimes we think of that as, as you know, a, a whole part of the team maybe is, is at rock bottom. But Nick, what, what moment did you actually... Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go with Josh first. Josh, what moment did you think was the bottom? To me, the rock bottom when, was when we realized not only was the team bad, but it wasn't going to get better for the future. June 26th, the report came out. Josh Donaldson has suffered a setback in his recovery from his calf injury. And, he, and it's like he'll need another month and month and a half recovery, and which was going to push him through the trade deadline, which meant that they weren't going to be able to leverage him to get a good return. And obviously we saw they really didn't. So that was rock bottom. 
Uh, for me, the rock bottom was Ryan Barucki, the only starter with a, an earn run average under four in in the whole assemblage of pitchers that they dragged out there and, and pushed through. I think that represented how far the staff had fallen. Nobody could get under four runs per nine innings, and you cannot win a lot of games that way. So uh, that was pretty profound disappointment. But uh, maybe, Nick, you didn't have that idea. Um. You know, for me, I'm going to kind of go with the obvious one and the losing and the performance is one thing, but it really doesn't get more disappointing than discovering one of the people you tune into every day and get so much joy out of watching play is responsible for doing something very terrible off the field. And that was when Roberto Osuna uh, got charged with uh, domestic violence. And that was just so incredibly disappointing and it leads to all sorts of questions about you know even just being a fan of the team and and watching the games and so for me that was the worst part of the year and now that you bring it up because i hadn't thought of it when i was looking at these moments for some reason i i was i i, I tend to agree with you and I, I think there was something that happened with the morale of the team right around that time and it, it maybe it carried through maybe it didn't but certainly on the field things did not go well after roberto osuna was charged with assault either <laughs> so Creed. yeah disappointing all around perhaps we should move on to our listeners because they have categories that have maybe a little bit more <laughs> more zip in them <laughs> uh Get away okay. from rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, anything is up from here, really. Uh, it's a good idea we did not finish with rock bottom as the whole podcast. Uh, Colleen Evans uh, asked us to give our best or worst first impressions. So, uh, Josh, who who do you have? So I sort of took this as a longer first impression. Otherwise, if like for my best true first impression, it would have been Solarte, uh, but. I took it as throughout, like this season first, was the first impression. First impression so, only. Yeah, the first impression was this season. It was Ken Giles was the best because he came in after being demoted and terrible, and he was really solid for the Blue Jays. I mean, his ERA wasn't that great because he had a couple horrible outings, but overall he was really good, and he was throwing 100. <laughs> Somebody throws hard in the bullpen. It's crazy talk. Uh, do you have a worst first impression? Yeah, Brandon Drury. He showed up, got a game-winning hit in, like, his first game, and then he got injured and never got seen again. <laughs> it's like a, the minimal impression you could possibly get. People uh, forget he's even there. Yeah. It's easy to forget because he's just just uh, infielder go-round. They just grab all the guys. You definitely made a bad first impression if people don't remember you're there. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really have a bad first impression. I have only good. I have uh, let's get rowdy, uh, tell us. Because... I think just zinging doubles all over the place is about as happy a time as you could possibly have. Um, did he not start his career with a pinch hit? Yes, pinch See, that, hit double. That's that's an awesome way to start your career period because obviously all the attention's on you and your name gets announced right before you walk on the field. Hit the double, boom. That's that's awesome. Um, uh, Nick? Uh, for me, uh, the best first impression was Solarte because he started the year so strong that would look like a great trade and um it happened kind of before the team got buried in the standings and so that i think makes it stick in your mind a little more too so for me solarte was the the best first impression and just sticking with the beginning of the year theme i think randall gritchick was probably the worst first impression uh but you know when it was all said and done he had himself a, a nice little year and yeah, uh, you flip those two guys <laughs> yeah 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 
Because there's such a thing as a last impression because <laughs> we need How about to lasting impression. Can we yeah. go with that one? Yeah, okay. Uh yeah, I think Gritchick is gonna leave the one you want. Uh, yeah, I totally totally understand where you're coming with those picks as well. Um so at ball her, baseball her, uh asks for the best Gibby ejection. Uh may Gibby's career with the Blue Jays rest in peace. And now they we're keeping this to this year, so we can't mention last year's where he ejected the guy, where he got ejected and still made the pitching change to take out Aaron Loop afterwards, which was an all-timer. But So I went with the one on August 19th, and like I think the rest of them are sort of generic. Cause, so Plar got caught stealing third to end an inning, and Gibbons was pissed. And he just stayed pissed and decided he didn't want to be there anymore. So on a bang bang play the next inning which was like even on replay you couldn't really tell he went out to argue and got tossed immediately and just took the rest of the game off as they were getting killed by the yankees just summed up gibbons it's like I, you know what what's the point <laughs> yeah i've thought about it and i don't really want to be here anymore i think half of his ejections were fully i thought about it and i don't want to be here anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how he left the team too yeah yeah it's perfect uh okay dumbest injury now we we talk this is from at luke at split letters um we talk a lot about injuries on this podcast and specifically dumb injuries we've, we've gone over and over them uh this was a season that had a few so i think legitimately nick you can you can pick one that you had as your favorite or least favorite i'm not sure what right <laughs> i i don't want to pile on solarte but that slide he made into third base where he banged up his chin that that was probably the dumbest looking injury anyway this year although it's probably harder than it looks to be honest to to slide into third that hard but yeah that, i'd put that why it's is really third not. a lot harder to slide into than second base like, no, no. because they're tired by the time they get to third base <laughs> well, so way back when Todd Stottlemyre, that was a third base slide in the World Series, which I mean he's a pitcher, so you give him a bit of a, a slide. Uh but um last year and now his name has left me. Uh Darwin Barney. Did he not swim into third base? Was that not Yes he did. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> okay. And I'm trying to remember there's one other face plant third base thing that happened. Nah, I don't remember. Anyway, remember. so yeah, third, that never happens at second. Like, they miss, it's the same distance, right, between the, anyway. Uh, <laughs> my dumbest injury, uh, which I, I think you can all guess because I've ranted about it a bunch, is Aaron Sanchez with the finger in the suitcase that, yeah, I don't even know. The, the most dangerous suitcase in the world. I think they should release the brand of suitcase <laughs> and we should have a recall. <laughs> Um, or just the, the, the suitcase for secret agents everywhere. Yeah, you debilitate your opponent um, with <laughs> with the handle. What's yours, Josh? I mean, that one's kind of hard to talk because <laughs> it's just it's like one of those dumb non-baseball injuries that like just takes them out for a season. But I went for one that was actually dumb because it was dumb by the player, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. In the mix of his ridiculous multi-game or multi-hit streak was they were up six to three or something like that in the ninth inning of a game that was meaningless it was the jays and the white Sox, and he tried to take an extra base on the throw and then sort of half slid and then decided not to slide and he tore his well actually he just sprained his knee going around the base around the fielder and it was just like why just stay at first base <laughs> yeah when it doesn't matter what are you yeah. doing to yourself 
And like after about July, nothing mattered. There should have been none of those injuries after July <laughs> exactly. 1st. <laughs> uh, and then people go, oh, he didn't like out the grounder. Yeah, shut up. He's trying to stay healthy. <laughs> uh, so there were uh, some farewell quotes. Uh, the exit interviews, I think, uh, were covered some of those. So from Colleen Evans, she was wondering if there was one that we really liked. I, I didn't really have one, I'll be honest. Did you yeah, have I one? mean, mo most of them were really generic. The, the only one that I saw that was of any kind of interest, it was Jay Happ was talking about how the Jays, you know, like they tried to go for it again, essentially. And he said it just shows to show that when you have an opportunity, you want to take advantage of it because you know how you don't know how long you can sustain it or how many times you'll get back there. And it's just sort of referencing back to like the 2015 when the Jays went for it. You know, they traded for price and too low. I mean. Players think the same way as fans do. It's like when you get the chance, you got to take it. That's cool. Uh, can I actually submit that Marcus Stroman's exit interview quote was the one I would like to uh, to nominate? <laughs> I took this as guys that were traded, but yes, if you're doing <laughs> that, that is an all timer. He refused if, to do the exit interview, as I recall. So now ev everybody else knows exactly how it feels to be me and blocked by him on Twitter for reasons which you are unsure of. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is, people. Just read his exit interview. Um, yeah. All right. Nominees for best hair. I'm, I'm going to assume that Josh doesn't really have a best hair nominee because that's not your thing. You Every time this question comes up, you seem slightly bothered by it. So I'll go to, to uh, <laughs> yeah. Nick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I'm going with Russ Martin because I think it's that classic old adage. You ever heard the expression, if you have straight hair, you want curly hair. And if you have curly hair you want straight hair absolutely as, as a guy in the straight hair camp when i saw russ martin with like the bandana and the sweet like curly hair and the ponytail it's like oh, I, I wish i could do that so I, i'm voting for russ uh the kid and play look as it were um <laughs> i think for me it was guriel jr because uh you know you take that helmet off and you you just didn't know what was under there and it was it was slick without being greasy had a lot of life to it i think I think that's rare. I think you gotta you gotta really really carry yourself well to, to get away with that kind of hair. So, you know, strong hair family, the Guriels. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a flow family, as it were. I'll go with Curtis Granderson, who <laughs> almost had a shaved head, <laughs> high and tight. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, best defensive play, Josh. Uh, did you have a a a memorable defensive play? Yeah, this comes from, uh, again, at Split Letters, Luke. Mm. I mean, to me, there's only Sorry. really one answer for this. I didn't right? say the, I mean, the best hair, my bad, was from OK Stan and Heated End. So obviously we had to answer the question because we got it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so on Canada Day, when Kevin Pillar climbed the center field fence and pulled back a home run, I mean, I guess there's some other category, some other, but that one just unbelievable play. Reminding us of what, what he used to be in center field. And both of them when they were getting blown out, the one in, the, the, a few years back, because when Todd Redden, they were losing thirteen to one or something in that game. He just, yeah, he's got to leave it out there and try and get injured. He's never injured himself doing one of those, which I just find in incredibly crazy that none yeah. of those slam into the wall leap have ever resulted in anything. Meanwhile, certain people put down a suitcase, and that's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, if we're, if we're going just like best in terms of context too, because they're getting blown out on Canada as well. It's probably Gritchick against Houston, right? The dive? No, the pulling back the three-run homer. Okay. Yeah, probably. 
I'll go with that. Sure. Um, are we going to embarrass someone with worst, or do we already know the answer to that one, Nick? <laughs> worst defensive play. Ooh. Um, How about anything Teoscar Hernandez? That's yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The worst defensive play is just Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not you can... DH Teoscar. Yeah, you pick your moment. Um, okay. Even more important, and I think, uh, than the defensive play, is the walk-up song choice. Obviously, uh, OK Stan requested that we give our favorite walk-offs, uh, walk-up song. And for me, you absolutely, and I should have had it queued up. You cannot, go, it might be the extra song, actually. Um, you cannot go wrong with Curtis Granderson flipping it to the old school hip hop cameos word up. I mean, why even bother? I don't even think I should ask you guys if you even have one. You obviously <laughs> completely agree with me, right, Josh? Um, no. Ow! Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I actually do. <laughs> but I'm picking a different one. So I was going to give it to Ryan Tapera because for getting rid of the Coheed and Cambria song with the their lead singer, Claudio Sanchez, who sounds like Getty Lee, which is not tough at all. And it's just as a relief, you should not be coming into that high-pitched wail. But I gave it to Tyler Clippard because it was instructive. No? <laughs> <laughs> the Fuji's ready or not. No, ready or not, here I come. And oftentimes when it's Tyler Clippard, you're really not. But he's just saying, too bad. <laughs> Clippard was fine. And actually, like he's a really smart pitcher. I really enjoyed talking to him in spring training and he did well, but oh, he pitches even slower than be a genie. <laughs> <laughs> he's so hard to watch. But ready or not. <laughs> okay. Nick, are you gonna pick one of those two or you, you got something else from left field? No, for me, it was kind of, it came down to Marcus Stroman, who is using a J. Cole song, ATM, uh, and I just really love J. Cole and his new record. But for me, it had to be Marco Estrada because he was using Bodies by Drowning Pool. And I just did not expect Marco Estrada to be a Drowning Pool fan. That blew my mind. It was crazy. He doesn't look like a guy who's into like hardcore metal like, uh, like he, he does, is. He but... doesn't have the haircut or the facial hair, no. Or the tattoos or anything. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, I did not think we would actually get three different answers for best walk-up song. So I guess that's three songs to add to your playlist, folks, and you can let us know uh, which one wears <laughs> out the fastest. Um, most equipment warmed up to batch by Tin Can Man 2010. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking perhaps that... Does it have to be protective equipment, or can it just be like... Did, did anyone ever go up in one of those full-face uh, toques? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think along with you, Greg, it, it was probably sometime in early April when it was freezing cold somewhere, and they were just real bundled up. I just want to see, like, some guy... We'll find out later on. He went up, and he had, like, body armor under his jersey and everything like that. It's like, what? I'm really afraid of the baseball, but I don't want people <laughs> to know this. <laughs> They certainly don't seem to be afraid to show off their the body armor we do see the elbow guards and wrist guards and uh, even I mean, the... like an actual flak jacket. Oh, <laughs> yes. How appropriate is that for uh, for actually deflecting a baseball, as it were? Would would that help you? I assume if it if it deflects bullets, it's probably okay for a baseball. I I, I always <laughs> thought it it would just stop the bullet from say penetrating, which is not the problem per se with the baseball. <laughs> Getting under yeah, your but skin. that means it's still absorbing it, right? Absorbing the kinetic energy. 
Now we're going to have to, in the offseason, go out and rent a flak jacket and, and line you up in front of a pitching machine, and you can tell us whether... <laughs> I'm game. Patreons only get to see this video. That, that's Patreons a scene from, from Happy Gilmore, isn't it? No, he didn't have a flak jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Now we got to get serious, because these, these are actual like, categories we have to award imaginary plaques in. We have to pick hitter of the year first. Are, are you ready to nominate someone, gentlemen? Yeah. Yep. All right. So, Josh, who do you nominate for hitter of the year? It was close, actually. But uh, I'm, I'm going with Justin Smoke. Just he was consistent from beginning to end. Got on base. Led the team on base percentage at 350. Didn't have quite the power, but as I said, clutch when it you know, came up big when it, in the clutch spots. And yeah, I think it's him. All right, Nick, who do you nominate for Hitter of the Year? Well, my Hitter of the Year didn't play for the Blue Jays. Uh, by no fault of his own, of course, it's Vlad <laughs> Jr. I, I legitimately think he was the best hitter in the Blue Jays organization this year, and he was the one that was most talked about. So, And if you look at his, his numbers, I think it's, it's, it's undebatable. It was Vlad, even though he never made it to the majors. Sorry, he's ineligible. This is Blue Jays hitter <laughs> no. of the year. Yes, well, and he, he didn't play, play for Dunedin this year. Yeah, he came close to being a Blue Jay. He was a Fisher Cat and a Bison. Um, you know what? I'm 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 not even. I'm I'm kind of mad, but at the same time, I th I think we got to stick to the major league roster. I understand where you're coming from, Nick, but I'm I'm going to side with Josh here because Justin Smoke. I would I, I would only add one stat to that 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 Josh rhymed off. He was one of only four Blue Jays hitters who qualified for the batting title which is to say nobody even got enough plate appearances to be considered good on this team so the fact that smoke was one of four guys <laughs> to do that and was good thumbs up he's gonna win hitter of the year actually i was wrong Vlad did get four at bats for Dunedin. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh however i'm i'm still siding with you josh it's okay Thank worst you. hitter though this could be a bit more of a toss-up i think because worst <laughs> yeah. lots of options could <laughs> be a lot of things um okay so we'll start with Nick. I'm going with Solarte. He was absolutely atrocious after April. Uh, I think his OPS was barely 600. You know, he didn't hit for average. He didn't get on base and he didn't hit for power. Um, it was just a pretty ugly year from Solarte after his, uh, after his hot start. So I'm, I'm going to weigh in here and I'm going to say again on a technicality here, Russell Martin is the worst hitter on the Blue Jays. Because he got 352 plate appearances, and although his OP or his on base percentage was good, that's not technically hitting. Actually, hitting <laughs> he hit 194. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was he was offensively he wasn't bad, but but he could not hit. He couldn't hit 200. It was sad. Um, so yeah, Russell Martin for me, Josh. Yeah, I had a third option. <laughs> For reference, <laughs> the reason that we have three is Slarte's OPS was 655. Martin's was 663. And my guy, Devin Travis, was 656. <laughs> just, just a cornucopia of bad yeah. hitting. Yeah, Devin Travis was just terrible. I mean, he got into his career high 103 games, beat it by one. <laughs> and he ended the season injured again. But, I mean, he was just just terrible and he just stopped being able to take walks or he never has been able to but when he's not getting hits he needs to learn how to be a little more patient because it's just weak ground ball to short after a weak ground ball to short this this is a tough one so how, how are we going to come up with a 
who gets the imaginary plaque? I I I think I'm gonna switch my vote though. All right. You actually convinced me really well, Greg. But <laughs> I'm gonna go with Solarte because he played. He got 500 plate appearances. <laughs> okay. He proved more than the other two guys that he really was the worst hitter on this team. But I I like that Martin argument. That was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I had to come up with something different. All right. Back on the high side of things, the pitcher of the year, uh, Nick, who do you have for pitcher of the year? Uh, I think this is telling as to the struggles the Jays had, but I think it was J.A. Happ. And I think if you look at other people who are here all year, there's just no one more deserving than Happ, who was only here for, you know, just over half the year. I think he had another great year. He was solid. And uh, I thank him for his... Service. Thank you for your service. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh um, man. Okay. Josh. Here's the thing. Hap did really well. You know, a lot of strikeouts, limited the walks. He still had a 418 ERA, right? I mean ERA is not everything, but that's not great. <laughs> there was only oh, one... for, on the Blue Jays, Josh? Yeah. On the 2018 <laughs> Blue Jays? 418. No, I said it's not great. I didn't <laughs> yeah. say it's not great for the Blue Jays. I said it's not great. <laughs> There was one guy who was legitimately great, and it was Sun Wano. You know, he came in, and he was the final boss, or Stone Buddha, or whatever you want to call it, not the crappy version he was of the Cardinals last year. 55 strikeouts to 10 walks in 47 innings, 2.68 ERA, and after a rough first month, he was just lights out through May, June, and July, and allowed them to get a really good return for him in trade. So I like that uh, you could copy paste out of jo- uh, Nick's first statement there about you know not finishing the season with and did it. Out of the- you could just take Song Hwang Ho's name and just stick it where Jay Happ's name was, and it's the same. <laughs> yeah, it says a lot. Well, I mean, they had to do that, right? Trade the players who were doing well because they weren't getting anything otherwise. <laughs> so I am going to agree with Josh. Other than that, is an amusing comparison. Um, I do think O's stats were absolutely better, and I think. Uh, as much as, uh, yeah, they both had to leave the team, I think O left it with better numbers to show for it. So, Sang Huang O, you are the Blue Jays Pitcher of the Year in absentia, as any of our Pitchers <laughs> of the Year were going to be. The worst pitcher. I will start with worst pitcher. I will start with Joe Biagini. Because it is hard to be bad as a starter and then transition to being bad as a reliever all in one season. Oh, and to be excruciatingly slow to watch, as mentioned about 15, 20 minutes ago. So I'm gonna I'm nominating Joe Biagini as just just bad at whatever he tried. But Nick, you, you have go a next, Nick. Yeah. Okay, so first off, Josh, this brings me no pleasure whatsoever, but it I think it was Marco Estrada. And <laughs> and I knew I had I knew if I was gonna say that, I was gonna have to come correct. And I looked it up, and he had the third highest ERA in baseball for any pitcher with 130 innings. And I and he went out there. I think he started 28 games, which was more than any pitcher on the Jays this year. So I feel like that that gives him the the cake this year. You could say Marco Estrada was one of the bodies that hit the floor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's <laughs> it's hard to argue with that one, really. And Jonah Birabam made a good point. I I'd, earlier in the season noted how he was his fastball wasn't rising nearly as much as it had in the past. And Jonah at Birenball pointed out that he was one of the biggest drops in spin rate from last year to this year, over 100 RPM. So that could be a good reason. 
But I'm still, I was going to go with Jaime Garcia because he was even worse on a perning basis. But I'm going with Joe Biagi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that's that's the worst picture plaque for Joe, which actually, if we were to give him one, I can only presume it would actually end up on his wall. He's that he is that way. He is he is that sort of guy. Uh, so we we only have two categories left, as I see it. Is that correct? Yes, that's it. So we have the uh, the obvious MVP category. So uh, we will let Josh go first and nominate his MVP of the unfortunate 2018 Toronto Blue Jays. So I was, I was wavering between a couple guys, but I ended up going with Randall Gritchick, who by the end of the season actually had really solid numbers. I mean, his 245 batting average isn't great, but he had the 301 on base and a 502 slugging to actually end up over 800 OPS. And obviously OPS flawed stat, but 502 slugging, slugging is nothing to sneeze at. And he played really solid defense and right and was good in center when he needed to be. And that was just, the best all-around player to me. Oh, there was competition for that. All right, Nick, who do you have? Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Aledmus Diaz. Uh, I think, you know, if you look at the Jays this year, he was the only player on the roster for most of the season that could handle playing shortstop. Uh, I think he hit pretty well after a slow start. And if you look at his numbers from 2016, I think there's even like more potential look, looking forward to next year. I mean, he didn't walk at all this year, but he had like a 9% walk rate or, or thereabouts when he played for St. Louis in 2016. So I think Aledmus Diaz was definitely the most valuable player, given that their backup shortstop option was at points this year, Russell Martin. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my thing is, should we not have mentioned his name at least once in this entire podcast prior to denominating yeah, that, that, him for MVP? That that was part of it too. I I, I wanted to get him in there, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Slide. I considered him, but I uh, still. Okay, so my MVP is Ryan Barucki, uh, for one one primary reason, which is where would this starting rotation have been statistically without Ryan Barucki to drag it somewhere in the direction of average. <laughs> What, <laughs> what, question. what would have filled in the innings had not Ryan Barucki arrived in, I don't know, June on and off? What, <laughs> what, where would we be? I don't want to think about that. So for, for me, Ryan Barucki saved this. I think he probably saved this pitching staff from a, literally historically is abysmal season um, just by being there. And the second thing would be Ryan Barucki is a guy who you can count on being around next year and apparently being quite serviceable, which... Uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff up in the air with a lot of the other uh, other players on this roster, but I don't think Ryan Barucki's getting traded. So it'd be kind of nice to have an MVP who was with the team next year, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. But now we have to decide on MVP. Are you going to change your vote, Nick? Because I don't think Nick's changed his vote on anything yet. No, okay. I will say just given how atrocious the pitching staff was, I think you've convinced me, Greg. If I have to change my vote, I'll go with Ryan Barucki. You don't have to. So is there anything, Josh, that would sway you to change your vote? It's funny. When I was considering the, the players, Aledmus Diaz was someone whose name I thought of. But if it was if it's any of these guys, to me, it's Grichuk or Barucki. So. All right. Well, I think that makes it Barucki. Um, although I can see the argument for Grichuk. I can't see the one for Diaz so much. But uh, yeah. I will gladly take the victory. Or smoke. <laughs> yeah. Well, the... the, the uh, 
if small but he's first baseman it's okay we'll yeah exactly we got <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll go with baraki so mvp ryan baraki that is some weak sauce is what that is and that's how you end up with 73 wins <laughs> <laughs> yeah even my pessimistic preseason prediction didn't come up with 73 wins so uh of course we would like to do the whole season over but instead we're going to try and call out a do-over as it were uh or two that we thought was uh, worth it for the whole season Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... Yeah. So, uh, if you don't mind, <laughs> I'll begin. Go for it. Uh, Shapiro. A quote on not calling up Vladimir Jr. It has nothing to do with business. It has nothing to do with anything other than we think the best thing for him developmentally is to go play in Arizona, the Fall League, and continue to develop. At which point I can only presume his pants caught on fire. <laughs> Do either of you believe that for a moment? No. Nope. If you look at how he's been doing in the fall league, it doesn't seem like he's getting too much development rep in down there. Uh, his average went up somewhere in the 570s after four games tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Player of the week. Okay. Um... Did he need to say that? Did he, like, I mean, he can't come out and say, I understand. He can't come out and say, we're manipulating his service time because we don't want to lose him a year early to free agency. What he needs to do is do the classic Homer Simpson line where he's like, well, Marge, I'm not going to lie to you. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Now that is a do-over. That's what you would need. Mark Shapiro needs to come on the podcast and say, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. Thanks for your time. <laughs> All right. We, we have another candidate. Believe it or not, beyond that, we have one from you, Josh. <laughs> Ticket it all the way back to the beginning. February. John Gibbons on Troy Tulowitzki. Quote, <laughs> the ankle feels fine. He had a little bone spur in his heel that was aggravating him, but he should be good to go when he gets here. I think he's had a bit before, but it flared up at him. No big deal. He should be fine. (laughs) And he was never seen again. (laughs) Apparently he went back to his home planet or something. (laughs) (laughs) Way back to his home planet. (laughs) Let's keep the Simpsons references going. (laughs) Well, there's 25 years of the show. Um... So, between those two things that you would like to see restated, I I would have to, even though it's not my pick, I would tend to agree that whole statement from Gibbons, I really wish that just would never have come out because I don't think that was ever really true, was it? Clearly not. (laughs) I mean, he needed surgery. Yeah, Yeah, after that. Was that after that? I'm more... I'm more willing to give Gibbons and the medical staff the benefit of the doubt that they may have missed something or something could have developed. I feel like with with the Shapiro one. But don't say very he clear. should be fine. He should be good to go. Say like we haven't had a chance to see anything yet, right? But he basically right. said he's fine. Like there's there's a difference between saying I'm not sure and then he's fine when he misses the entire season. Yeah, there is will evaluate him when he gets here. That's different yeah. than he should be fine. But I mean, it should be. Yeah. That's a weasel word. He should have been fine, yeah. but he wasn't. <laughs> he really should have been. <laughs> it's like, look, this guy should be healthier than he is. Like, we all know it. <laughs> I don't know how we settle on the do-over of the year there. Uh, I, 
I think I'm 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 gonna lean towards John Gibbons though. I think mm. I think I think it's more likely that John Gibbons would come on and say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which means the only vote for uh, me, uh, my own pick would be you, Nick. So that means <laughs> doer yeah. of the year is John Gibbons. <laughs> we wishing that Troy Tulowitzki uh, was like he should have been. All right, so that that really for reals concludes the 2018 artificial turf war season gentlemen i would like to say uh to you too it has been a pleasure uh doing it with you all season long whenever you've been able to uh to sit in and it's been a pleasure hosting and i would like to say to the fans as it were uh thank you for listening it's really cool to know that there is someone out there at the other end of the series of tubes that is the internet who's interested in what we have to say always nice to see your names on the questions every week Josh, anything that you have as a final statement on 2018? Uh, much of the same, really. Like, like, it's been a lot of fun doing this. At times, it makes it a lot easier than <laughs> to, to sit through this awful season when you have a chance to talk about it and joke about it like we do. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate the listeners. We really appreciate the help from the patrons because that makes it a lot easier to do this and give and take the time for it. And... Yeah, it's been fun, and we'll start up the off-season stuff shortly and get going from there. All right. Nick, anything that you would like to put out into the uh, ether? Yeah, no. Uh, thanks for having me on and, again, letting me engage in this kind of therapeutic release as the <laughs> team sputters to, to 75 wins or thereabouts. Um, and, yeah, thanks to everybody who listens. And, in general, enjoy the playoffs. You know, it's it's been really fun watching this playoff run for for all the teams still involved and a nice reminder of, of what baseball can be when when Jaime Garcia isn't out there for a hundred innings or so but um yeah <laughs> except apparently Chicago Cubs Jaime Garcia is a different guy but uh yeah no it just enjoy the baseball we've got left because I, I I know we're gonna miss it when, when it's gone and yeah thanks to everybody for a great year absolutely absolutely all right so that said uh, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and you have been Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka and Josh Hausam at Joshua Hausam. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 121, and we'll talk at you in a couple weeks or if something big happens. Mm-hmm.